So here's the question. How do active people in the Atlanta area stay pain-free and live the active, fulfilled life that they deserve at any age? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Danny Matei, and welcome to the Active Atlanta podcast. The Active Atlanta podcast is sponsored by Athletes Potential. At Athletes Potential, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active doing the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better for life. Head to athletespotential.com to learn how we can help you stay active for life today. What is up, Atlanta, and welcome back to the Active Atlanta Podcast. I'm your host, Doc Jake Swart, and today, guys, we have Jessica Pratt on the show today, and I am so excited to talk with her because she has her master's, she utilizes her background of having her master's in public health with an emphasis on health education and health promotion uh, to transition to being a full-time uh, doula. She's the founder of Nurture Birth and Postpartum Services. She works in partnership with two doulas and you, and we were talking a little bit before the podcast, guys, and just in the short five minutes that we were talking, I learned so much. So you guys are in for a real treat here. I can't wait to t- uh, start this one. So without further ado, Jessica, thank you so much for getting on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So um, let's dive right into it. So let's talk about your background here a little bit. So um, I kind of talked about it a little bit, but I always do everybody the service. So um, kind of give me like, how did you find yourself in the world of being a doula? Um and why did you and why did you become a doula? Yeah, uh, so back in 2008, I finished a master's degree in public health, and so worked in public health for a long time. Um, worked in higher ed for about 10 years, and during that period, I had my own kids um, and worked with a doula for both of those births, and was just really blown away by the experience and by having that kind of support um, and really kind of stayed fascinated in all things pregnancy, birth, postpartum, breastfeeding, Uh, just wanted to constantly be learning about those topics. And I felt like it was a really nice intersection between sort of my background in health promotion and really working directly with people. Um, And so it was really right before the pandemic that I decided I wanted to explore making this transition and making dual work a full-time career. Um, I had to put that plan on hold a little bit once the pandemic hit because hospitals really shut down and restricted um, access. So doulas were not allowed to accompany uh, folks to their birthing experiences. Um, But I took that time to study and uh, take the courses to be a postpartum doula and a labor doula and um, began working on my certification process as we were kind of coming out of the pandemic 2021 um, and then transitioned full-time at the beginning of 2022. Oh man, that's so true. Um, First of all, what a journey, right? Um, And then especially in the middle of the pandemic, I could not imagine um, so, um, my wife, and I, we have a one-year-old, we gave, uh, Jessica gave birth, like towards the tail end of the pandemic. Um, and like, man, uh, I could not imagine being in the heat of that and like trying to, uh, have a baby, right. Or give birth right. and not having, and being in there like by yourself, essentially. Um, my, my mom, she works in uh, so my mother, and my sister, they both work as LND nurses and, oh, wow. um, yeah, super cool. Um, but man, my mom was telling me the story, so many stories about like women who had to like 
didn't have any support system in there. So like, uh, and then like, you know, people coming in with COVID, of course, right. And like, uh, then all your nursing and doctor teams coming in, like completely gown, like scrubbed up essentially. Right. And um, just such an incredible or such a wild journey. Women are warriors. Yeah. I could not imagine that, that being the case for anything else. And uh, a number of birth complications associated with that, I'm sure. But anyway, um, yeah. All right. You're back in the hospital or so like, uh, so then the pandemic happened, you're able to transition to a full-time doula. So, um, what does that mean? So when you say like, I wasn't able to go in there and give support to, um, to our, to my patients or my clients, what does being a doula actually mean for the general public? Yeah. So as a labor doula, I support folks throughout their pregnancy. Um, so this, usually means informational support, emotional support, um, helping them find evidence-based information for any kind of decision that they may need to make about their care, um, helping folks learn about what particular comfort measures might work for them in their labor. Um, I think a common misconception is that people who hire a doula don't want to have any kind of intervention or pain medication. Uh, some of our clients come to us and say, I know I want an epidural, but I want support to, you know, delay that if possible, or just have, you know, the informational and emotional support during my birth. Um, yeah. Some people come to us and say, like, I, I want to try to birth without an epidural, and I, you know, need support to make that happen. And so um, when it comes to actual birthing time and labor, we provide um, informational support, physical support, um, emotional support, both to the person giving birth and to their partner if they have one. So one of the great things about having a doula is that, um, you know, the, the spouse or the partner can feel like they can take a break. Sometimes birth is really long um, and we all have human needs to rest, use the bathroom, get a cup of coffee, get some fresh air. And so we can kind of fill in that support um, so that partners know that they're they're you know, loved one has support when they take care of their own human needs. Yeah. Um, we also kind of help slow conversations down. So I think sometimes um, doctors or, or midwives can come in to the birthing space and say, you know, we need to take this action based on the the time it's taking for your labor to pick up or whatever, as an example. Um, and so we always try to remind our clients that rarely are we having an emergency. Emergency is really rare in, in birth. And so let's slow down. Let's take some time to ask the questions. Uh, you know, what are the benefits or the risks to, to doing this intervention? Um, are there any alternatives? What is my gut telling me? You know, all of these things and really just reminding folks that they have time. And so we do that by um, turning to the client and saying, do you have any questions about this? Do you want some time to talk about this alone? And that kind of is a cue for people to say like, oh yeah, I, I don't have to make this decision right away. I can, I can take time to absorb the information. Um, and we find that even if folks are faced with making a really difficult decision or maybe one that didn't align with their initial birth preferences, they still feel a more positive, you know, outlook with how things unfolded if they had time to really think about the decision and they didn't feel rushed. Mm. Yeah, I think um, that's amazing. Um, there's a lot to unpack there, right? Um, I think that, uh, so during our birthing experience or my wife's birthing experience, um, the 
so many of the things that you just said would have been super helpful, right? Like, uh, I think that, um, you know, like for all intents and purposes, I feel like we had a pretty, uh, par for the course delivery process, right? Like, um, there was no moments of like, oh no, this is, this is going bad really fast. Right. Or like, uh, there was no like, um, uh, super scary moments, I should say. But, um, I'll say that with a little asterisk because like, there's definitely little micro moments throughout the process that like it could have easily led to a, to a more detrimental situation, right? Not detrimental. That's probably a bad way to say it, but uh, it could have led to a more serious situation. I'll say, right. Yeah. Where, um, like a great example would be, uh, beforehand, like, and this was no fault of the hospitals, but like, uh, or of like our, our, our L and D provider, but, um, the, the, the hospital was like 20 was like 20 back on induction rates. Right. And, uh, my wife and I are like super open about this stuff, but like, uh, we got pregnant our first time via IUI. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I say that because we knew like exactly when her or when the conception date was right. Like right. there was no guesswork there. We knew exactly right. when it was. And she was a week overdue, um, which is normal I, from what I understand for like the first pregnancy in particular, it's probably just normal in general for humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, there's definitely some like yellow flags coming up, right? Like her amniotic fluid was getting, starting to get pretty low. Like um, there's some other markers that that um, were like not looking, they weren't like dangerous yet, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. uh, weren't looking awesome either, which kind of makes sense, right? Coming to the full term of her pregnancy and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and they wanted to keep pushing her back, keep pushing back, keep pushing her back. And so like, um, thankfully, uh, and, and one, having a family that's in the L&D world, right? And then uh, being able to work with a number of patients who are doulas and OBs and uh, OBGYNs and uh, midwives was able to get the right information to be able to say like, no, 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 we need like to push back a little bit harder and give reasoning for why we needed to push back and like working mm-hmm. with our providers to get us in the hospital to um, essentially get induced. Right. Um, so that was helpful. So we were able to make that happen. And then, um, and, and but then like another t- point, like Jess was having some pretty strong contractions already. Like they tried to, um, just based off paperwork, right? Like the night nurse didn't fill in the right paperwork. So then they thought that she missed her a round of Pitocin that she was supposed to get when she hadn't. And like, uh, um, so like doubling up on that Pitocin when she was already having some pretty strong and consistent contractions would have been tough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like that's super discomfort. Uh, like, um, anyway, like there's just yeah. a bunch of things that happened throughout. And then like afterwards, right? Like, um, talking about the speed of conversations, um, you know, afterwards, like you women just went through like uh an insane process right like uh they just went through a very traumatic i mean it's things that your body can handle i think uh you know women's women are warriors for going through all that but um <laughs> it is very much like still a very traumatic process right and so like um Jess was exhausted um she was super tired beyond all measure and like people are going in there and you know talk about like the partner needing like having their needs right i tried to run in and get a shower really fast because it was like day three we're at the hospital at this point and um of course as soon as i went in to get the take a showers when like some of the medical team came in to talk about some things that they wanted to do with julian our son and yeah. uh, she i tried to come back and they were like just like i have no idea that was i was like oh, no. well then they gotta come back and like talk with us right um but thankfully she had a partner there that like one is in the medical space. And even though this is not my world, I still at least know some jargon that that's used. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I couldn't imagine like having the medical world or being like a lot of women, this is their first time in the hospital, 
you know, right. uh, which is a good thing. But like uh, to have that experience alone, plus like how fast, because uh, like while this is very new and uh, uh, very new and, and a milestone moment for a lot of people, uh, this is every day for the providers in there. So I don't want to like try to take that away from like, this is very, this is their life. They do it every day. They got 17 other patients in there that they got <laughs> that just went through the same process you did. Uh, so, but I say that on the other side of the coin, like uh, it's very easy to just be like, just to like run through your day because that is their day of work, right? And so um, having somebody that can advocate for you to say like, hey, hold on, let's, um, or amplify your voice, right? We're gonna talk a little bit about that, but um, have somebody be like, hey, this is what this means. Like, this is what we talked about beforehand. Like, are you, does this align with what you wanna do? Like, yes or no, right? Um, so yes, everything you just said would have been super helpful throughout our process as well, you know? Um, I'm sure we're not, and like, and that was a very par for the course, right? Like, uh, for the most part, like, you know, no C-section, the baby wasn't breached. There was no like um, huge decisions that needed to be made in a very split right. second kind of uh, thing. Um, the only thing with that, I think it's, I think it's interesting when you talked about like the uh, uh, epidural, right? Such a big <laughs> For a lot of people and um my wife wanted to try to go without an epidural and part of our birth plan was like okay um i'll give you a little bit of pushback beforehand if this is what you want to do right mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. like um you know not not anything overly aggressive but they're just like are you sure this is what we talked about anyway um yeah. so that happened right got to got to like they broke her water contractions started getting super intense and super fast and uh she's like i don't know how long i can do this i can't do this forever right and mm -hmm. i was like okay makes total sense let's wait a little bit. Are you like, do you want to like, let's see, let's give it five minutes and see what happens. Right. Or like, let's give it 10 minutes, see what happens. Let's go through a couple contractions, um, a couple more contractions. Anyway, mm -hmm. that time limit passed. Uh, she's like, still want the epidural. So then, uh, <laughs> we like, yeah, that makes sense. All right, let's, let's do it. And so, uh, this is probably the most, um, so Jess was like, and not in and out of consciousness by any means, but just like out of it. Right. Uh, just a lot going on, but the most vivid memory she has throughout this whole process is, um, so like they wanted the upper, she wanted the upper girl midwife was like, we can definitely do this. Um, like it's still fine, but you got to sit, you got to be able to sit still long enough for us to essentially like stick a needle in your spinal cord. Right. And her contractions were, she's like, oh man, I don't know if I can do that. Right. Like, uh, cause they're, they're so, uh, they're coming so rapidly at this point. And so like, right when she made that decision was when the, uh, anesthesiologist came in for the epidural and, uh, the, the, the she remembers this so vividly. She was like, the epidural, the epidural, or the um, anesthesiologist was like, hello. And then midwife was like, not now. And she was like, okay. And just like walked right back out. Right. Like just like the chippiest tone, like just his most dramatic, dramatic moment of her life was uh, um, anyway. Um, so with, with the doula. So like before we started talking, I, my thought was like, oh, doulas are there to advocate for your patients. And you're like, well, it's a little bit more than that. Um, so like, can you explain to me like what exactly is the role in those moments for a doula for your guys' patients? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I wanted to come back and talk a little bit more about kind of the doula support, the dad doula support that you offered to your to your wife, because I thought yeah. you you touched on some really important things. But um, yeah, so we really try to be um, to operate like we operate within a scope of practice. And, and that scope is outlined by the um, not governing bodies, but like the training institutions that where yeah. we receive our training and certification. And so we're really clear about um, we are not medical professionals. <laughs> You're not doctors, nurses, midwives. Um, we don't make medical recommendations. Our job is really to um, provide you with 
here's what the evidence says, like here's what research says about these particular choices that you may have in front of you. Here's maybe what our experience has been supporting clients, how we've seen things unfold once, you know, for instance, breaking the water, once that decision is made, um, here's some things to consider. Um, and in the birth space, this can look like, you know, turning to the, to the person and saying, um, in our prenatal time together, you mentioned that you you wanted to wait as long as possible to break your water. Do you want to talk a little bit more about this option now? So really turning to our client and mm. reminding them. So in our prenatal time with them, really getting to know what their preferences are, what's important to them, helping them put together that, you know, we call it birthing preferences, not birthing plan, because things That's almost fair. never go to plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, was, that, was, it, was it Mike Tyson that said, like, everyone's got a, a plan to get punched in the face, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't heard that, but yeah, absolutely. So, um, so, you know, we're very familiar with what our client said that they wanted from, from the outset. And so really making sure that they have an opportunity to um, be reminded of that, to ask questions if they're at a point where it seems like things may be going in a different direction. Um, this may look like uh, saying, do you want time to think about this? Because I think sometimes folks feel like they're backed into a corner. Um, and, you know, we always say like emergencies are rare. So like, let's, if we have the time, let's talk about it. And sometimes it can be helpful to have those conversations when the doctor or the midwife is not in the room. Um, you know, there's definitely a culture within hospitals and um, there's a deference that most people feel they, you know, want to give to a doctor or to a provider. And so being able to have a relaxed conversation with that person not present can be really helpful for um, giving someone the time to, you know, really make a good decision and 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 do what they think is going to be right or make no decision that's always an option to say like okay i'm willing to consider this particular intervention but i feel like i need a little bit more time can we check back in an hour um yeah. so that's that's you know always an option um too uh so we're you know i i, I never turn to a doctor and say she doesn't want to do that. Or, you know, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, that's definitely considered out of scope and could potentially, you know, you would be asked to leave. So yeah. in most of the major Atlanta hospitals, doulas are now required to sign a form that basically says I will operate within my scope. And if I don't, I'll be asked to leave. Like that's the gist of it. Dang. So we have to sign that. Our clients typically sign that as well. And so it's kind of the hospital's way of <laughs> making yeah. sure that, um, there's no you know, battles that happen in the heat of the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone were, you know, operating out of scope, like they are going to ask you to leave. And so, yep. you know, always bringing it back to the person who's birthing or to their partner. Like you mentioned your, your wife, like not necessarily being out of it, but when, when we are in labor and we are managing contractions, we are in it, right? Like we want people to be out of their thinking brain in their birthing body. We want your brain to be offline because that's the way your body is going to be able to progress. And so, um, you know, if partners can serve as another amplifier of what the initial, um, 
you know, goals or preferences were, we're going to pull the partner into like, Hey, did you guys want some time to, so like, we might say that to you, do you want a few minutes to think about it? And often if we are asking that question, it is a prompt that you should be asking for that time. Like maybe we have some more information that we want to share, or we're just trying to create that space that you don't feel backed into a corner. Mm. Yeah. Man, I think that's uh, a lot of interesting things there. I can totally understand the point of like <laughs> uh, having some documents sign like, hey, you step outside your scope and we're going to kick you out. Um, yeah. But because, uh, man, those moments get super passionate too, right? Like because uh, these clients, I'm sure you care deeply about, right? And um, you know what their plans are versus like uh, um, like as the husband or the as, as the partner that's in the room, right? Like um, there can be like uh equal battles but they can't just tell you i mean i guess they could ask you to leave at some point right but it's gonna be a lot harder because there's no scope that i'm stepping in and out of at that point is more or less just being a concerned partner right um so um i can totally understand that but uh so with so when you're in so when what about like postpartum like when you so the birthing process is super intense like it's almost like it reminds me of a lot of like um so there's a saying in like the military it's like hurry up and wait right like um yeah. there's like a big like long like lag period and then a boom all of a sudden everything hits right uh, at least that's what it felt like with our process was like um there was like yeah definitely contracting definitely labor but like man once we broke that water it was like <laughs> things were coming like real quick right yeah. and um so there's that heated moment right and then um uh, but then like the postpartum side of things like man like uh breastfeeding right like that's a tough thing for uh that can can be a tough thing right it's a very personal thing um if you choose to breastfeed um and then there's uh like all the all the things that happen like i'll never forget even simple things right like um i'll never forget jess and jess and julian had just fallen asleep for the first time and together right and um there's a like a light knock on the door and like i go and open up the door and like there's masks on still and didn't really hear what the person said, but you know, there's people in and out of that room nonstop, right? So I was like, yeah, sure, come on in, right? And then I turn back around and I see the person like bringing in their camera and like all this camera gear. I was like, whoa, wait, hold on, who are you? And it was a hospital photography or photographer, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, not a chance, no way, <laughs> right? Um, and she's like, oh, well, just one for the hospital. I'm like, no, they're sleeping, get out of here, you know? Um, but like having somebody that can help out, and just like moments like that, like, hey, uh, for my birth. Uh, what do you call it? Not birth plan, but birth, uh, preferences, preferences. or priorities. Yeah. Priorities. Right. Like, yeah, yeah I don't really want to have a hospital photographer come in. Right. So like knowing that up, and up front and everything, but anyway, I wouldn't have even known. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Right. Um, until, yeah. until we were in the moment and like, thankfully Jess and Julian didn't get woken up, but like, man, like there's just so many things postpartum that happened. That's like, you're trying to get ready to send a baby or come home with a baby and everything, you know? And then like, um another thing was like i caught in the beginning where it was like um uh the nurse came in and was like yeah you know since you're a first time mom we'd be here probably two night or two days or two nights and then most of our experienced moms or second uh second moms uh second time moms like they get to or they'll go home like in that first night or after like one night and then like um i caught that and i was like well what's the benchmarks <laughs> right like <laughs> what if i don't want to be in the hospital a second night like i didn't want to just get thrown in like this protocol of like um oh we're just here for two nights because we are because we had just spent because it's part of like that induction process we had just right. spent a night in the hospital in the triage room waiting for a bed to open up you know um so like 
little like it feels little when you talk about it like in like the individual like components of it but like throughout that whole process it gets really tough especially in that postpartum section where uh, you just went through this process so like do you as a doula do you help out with like lactation consulting as well like because uh, obviously that's something I can't help Jess out with and, and one like it's just not really like my role but then two like I can't do that so even if I like read all the textbooks I'd never done it before you know um so um uh, is that something that you help women out with as well yeah so um part of our support um includes like we stay with our clients for a couple of hours after the baby is born so that we can help with that initial latch our training um both as labor and postpartum doulas does include lactation we are not certified lactation consultants um but we do have a lot of training and we can help with that initial latch we can kind of again going back to scope of work and being you know boundaried in our in what we can can support we can really say like you know, I think you would benefit from seeing an IBCLC, which is an internationally board certified lactation consultant, which is that mm. highest level of training for lactation. And so um, we have a resource list that we maintain that we can say like, hey, here's some folks that are in your area that can come to your home, you know, sort of help some of these things. And there are lactation consultants in the hospital too. And we do typically recommend uh, once folks move from their labor and delivery room over to the postpartum side of things, we usually say, if it's the daytime, like go ahead and ask to see the lactation consultant or let your postpartum nurse that you want the lactation consultant to come by as soon as you know possible, just yeah. to kind of help get things started on the right foot. Um, like you said, breastfeeding is often very difficult for people. You've never done it before. Baby's never done it before. There's a there's a very steep learning curve. And I think um, like societally, I think we just assume it's going to be really natural and we just do it and like it's easy. Um, but there are definitely challenges that people face. And it's one of those things that if you get help early and often, you can have a lot of success. And if you are just kind of suffering through things, you can find yourself in a position of really being in a lot of pain and not wanting to continue. And so that's definitely one of the things that we encourage people to get help early and often. Um, you know, if it is a goal for their for them to breastfeed, um, you know, just because cracked and bleeding nipples are are not fun and nobody no wants to then attach a sucking baby, you know, like it's it can be very it can be very painful. And so yeah. um, you know, we do have have sort of baseline training and can say like you, you know, try this, try this. Okay, you've tried these things. Let's kick it up to the next level and get, um, you know, get a lactation consultant in here to 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 try to support this. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and then once folks come home too, we're also postpartum doulas, and so. Um, once you transition home with your baby, that can look like continued lactation con um, support, um, help with interpreting your newborn's cues, helping to understand what is sleepy, what is hungry, what is just, you know, the yeah. witching hour and a fussy baby, and that's fine. Um, yeah. Kind of helping you with strategies around that. Um, and really just supporting that transition to parenthood or to, you know, a family of four or a family of five, whatever. Um, yeah. And so that can include things like taking care of the baby while you nap or shower or just have a moment um, meal prep for you to keep everyone fed and hydrated. Um, it can do be light, light housekeeping, kind of laundry, that kind of thing to just really keep the family functioning and moving forward while you guys are recovering from birth and getting to know your newborn. Yeah, man, that was that was actually gonna be one of my questions was like, um, 
So a lot of this is uh, every experience is unique and new in its own way. Um, but a lot of my, and a lot of my experience that I'm speaking from is having one kid, right? Um, but then that second time is like, okay, know a little bit about what to look out for, but it still can be very different. Like, how do you help, um, or what's the difference, or is there really a difference in like being uh, a doula for a first time mom versus um, a second or third time? Yeah. I mean, usually with the first pregnancy and birth, people do a lot of research. They're reading, they're taking classes. Um, really the amount consuming. of research I did on strollers is was <laughs> so dumb, right? Like, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, but it's exciting. It's new. Yeah. Like most people, you know, they want to learn about what's going to happen. And so there's, there's a lot more time spent with that research. Um, in subsequent pregnancies, you know, you have a toddler probably, and there's yeah. just not a lot of time to do those things. And so um, folks sometimes will take like a birth refresher course or listen to a couple of podcasts or, you know, just wing it and know that they've got doula support yeah. <laughs> to answer any questions. Um, but we always try to remind people that every birth is different. And so sometimes um, our support is you know, really reassuring folks that this is a different birth and things might be moving faster or slower or, you know, to try to not get caught up in predicting how things are going to unfold. Like it's a different, it's going to be a completely different experience. Um, you know, for many people, subsequent births move more quickly than the first one. And so it really is a lot of reassurance that, you know, things are moving quickly. You're feeling bewildered because you think that you're, in early labor, but like, you're not like right. things are really rocking and rolling. Like, let's just stay in the moment. Um, right. you know, that kind of thing, man. Yeah, it is. It is. It is interesting. Um, you know, it's like, uh, so we had a little boy, our first time around, we we're having a little girl second time around. And, uh, well, I thought for sure this, this little girl was going to be a boy because, uh, you look at their families and like Jess's parents and my parents both went boy, boy, girl. Right. And then, uh, her pregnancy, if you listen to like, all like the uh, wives tales of like, Oh, like uh, you feel this way or that way. And she felt like the exact same this time around as she did the last time. So I thought for sure it was going to be a little girl, but um, little nuanced differences, right. That I think will be interesting is like, all right, with a little girl, like changing the diaper, is that different than like with changing the diaper for like a little boy, you know, like, uh, um, you, like little things that I think having a doula be there for, because these are questions that you wouldn't even know to ask until you're in the moment to ask. Right. Right. Um, and having a doula support there would be so, so beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. So then I know you said you wanted to circle back around, maybe you already did, but uh, with like your, like the um, partner services that uh, or like the, how helpful uh, like a dad doula would be, or like a partner <laughs> doula. Um, how do you kind of help support the, how do you support the partner there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I really just wanted to give you kudos for some of the things that that you provided. Um, <laughs> a lot of folks who go into the nervous birth thinking, yeah. do do it. Just a nervous dad, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, for a lot of people who go into the birth experience wanting to avoid the epidural or avoid the medication, um, you, you know, sometimes they will ask their partner, like, give me a little bit of pushback, like make sure I'm serious, or maybe they have a code word and it's something super silly and they have to say it three times and then you know they really mean it. Um, but you did one of the things that um, as doulas we often do, which is just to create some short-term goals for our clients. And so whether or not it's to determine if we want the epidural or not, or if it's just to kind of like break things up, because I always use the analogy of like birth is a marathon, that we don't know where the finish line is, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
a big part of it is this mental game. And so you can prepare for a marathon and you can know like your mile markers and you can kind of, you know, do some mental games and, and get yourself across that finish line. But when we don't know how long we have to do it, that's really where, you know, things can kind of, kind of fall apart. And so we try to break things up into short-term goals. So we might say like, okay, let's do three contractions in this position. And then we're going to go sit on the toilet. We're going to do three contractions there. We might, we might tell folks like, this is the plan. If people tell us ahead of time, like it will be helpful to know the plan or people who will say, I don't want to know the plan. Just tell me what to do and then tell me when to move. Um, And it, you know, it kind of helps you stay in the present and not be thinking about like, how much longer do I have to do this? Um, so it sounds like you kind of naturally did that for, for Jess and just kind of said like, okay, let's try five more and then we'll see what happens. Um, so we really try to create those, um, those short-term goals for folks. Um, and then the other thing that it sounds like you guys, without knowing you were kind of having this conversation is that there is a difference between pain and suffering. And so for most people, like I, there are some people who give birth and say it was pain-free and kudos to them. But for most people, childbirth is painful. Like there, there is a, there are very intense sensations that accompany childbirth. Um, And so there are ways that we are going to be observing our clients to see like, are you managing this pain? Are you having the ability to rest in between contractions? Or are you essentially panicking? Like, are are you really emotionally um, not dealing with, with the sensation of labor? Yeah. Um, and for, for many people who um, go into birth wanting to avoid the epidural, um, and then end up getting it, it's often like in the case of an induction or someone is in labor for over 24 hours. Like again, to use the marathon analogy, like if you sleep great, you can get up and run the marathon. If you ran another marathon the night before, like all night long, um, that's a different story. And so for many people, it's not that they are unable to manage the pain. It's just that they are completely physically and emotionally exhausted and rest is the priority. Um, so, you know, we've never seen it be sort of the wrong call. Once that call is made, it's, it's the right call, you know? Um, so we try to be really clear with folks ahead of time that, that that's something we'll be observing them. We don't want, like suffering is not part of what we want, you know, people to experience. If, if you're able to cross that finish line and you, you know, got all of your goals met, you didn't use the epidural if you didn't want to, that's a great triumphant feeling. But if you cross that finish line and you felt like this is the worst thing that ever happened to me, like, yeah. is that is that a win? I, you know, not in my book. Um, yeah. So that's definitely something that we we try to keep an eye on for folks. And then we, we sometimes role play ahead of time too. Like, how would you want to be presented with this observation? Like, if I think that, you know, I know your goal is to not use an epidural, but you're you're clearly suffering, like, how can I respectfully approach you with that information in a way that won't feel like I'm undercutting you, but will feel like this is part of my care. This is part of my, this is part of my scope of practice to, to not encourage you to endure suffering. Oh man, that's so true. Like, uh, it's not like somebody hands you a medal. You don't go on some like national list of like badassery because you went through uh, without an epidural, right? Like, um, I think like, it's such a personal decision, right? And there's no, and neither of like epidural, no epidural, like none of that is like anything other than just a personal preference, right? Um, yeah. 
And, yeah, and uh, if it is your goal and, and yeah. you feel triumphant about it, like that's awesome. That is great. Mm. You know, like you you did it. Um yeah. and you get to feel good about that. Um, but yeah, but not at the cost of of having a traumatic experience. Yeah, for sure. Especially like because I think you bring up some good points, and maybe this is just because like uh i don't know growing up like the dinner time conversations that we had with my mom being an lnd nurse would probably mm. like, most people sick but um <laughs> uh like it, there's there's so many there's so many situations where like because you're right it's a freaking marathon there right like 24 36 hours being in labor like yeah. or maybe even like um that's a long time to be like in a very intense situation to be like uh you, you get exhausted and eventually your body's just gonna get exhausted right um and a lot of times you or you just uh, get super tight or, or tense throughout that whole process yeah. because it is so yeah. painful and like um you're, you're kind of like beating your head up against a stone wall a little bit you know so there's so many reasons why an epidural is beneficial but you're right there is i can absolutely understand this too for my wife i'll give you a great example um uh, so my wife and I, we've been, we've been together since like high school. Right. And it's always been the running joke that she has a super low pain tolerance because, uh, back in early college, like freshman, sophomore year of college, she, uh, banged her knee on the corner of a desk, getting out of a desk and like passed out from it. Right. Like, uh, so <laughs> like, uh, it's been the running joke that just has a super low pain tolerance. Anyway, this is like her moment to like prove everybody wrong that she does not have a low pain tolerance that she can do it and everything else. And she fucking did it. She crushed it. She did. She's she did amazing. Um, but breaking it, but to that point of what you talked about earlier, though, um, I don't know if it's luck or just like the way it was, but like once those once those super intense contractions came along, like it wasn't very long before the baby was there, right? Yes. If those contractions would have, if it would have been a long time, because you don't know. That's such a, that's like such a psychological aspect of the whole process is you don't know how long it's going to be, right? So, right. um because it is painful, right? Like Jess is not uh, like as much as we joke about her being a little pain tolerance. Like she doesn't complain. She's she she's not. She's she's great. And so like seeing mm -hmm. her, as a dad, like seeing that um, or a husband, seeing like your wife in that process, right? Or your partner in that process, yeah. like you see a different person on that bed, right? Which is or like in that room or or yeah. wherever you're at. Um, and that's and that's fine. It's it's very much like oh, this is um it's an interesting experience on the partner side of things, but yeah. Um, well, and like, and to your point, like that is definitely, you know, part of my job as a doula is to kind of normalize what I'm seeing for partners because mm. in any other hospital setting, uh, blood vomit, like these are things that are very concerning. However, they're very normal in labor and usually very promising signs. And so yeah. we always oh, try point. to, yeah, like reassure like, Hey, what I'm seeing is normal. These sounds are normal. Like this is your partner's process. Like, let's just support it. Let's make the noise with her. Like, let's just, we're all going <laughs> to yeah. do it. Um, you know, like definitely trying to reassure partners. Um, and like, you know, kind of how I mentioned earlier, make sure that you've got support for your own, own human needs too, that we're yeah. going to be kind of trying to read the room. And if it looks like you're starting to really flag, just be like, Hey, do you want to go, uh, get yourself a coffee or like, can you go fill up the ice waters? Um, it's, you're, that's your whole world right there. Like seeing yeah. your partner, especially for the, the first time, it's really hard to see them working so hard to bring your child into the world. So anything that we can do to kind of like either give you a minute to step away from the space, um, update family, do whatever, uh, and then come back fresh. Um, or again, just making sure that you understand that everything we're seeing is normal and your partner's doing great. Oh man, that's so true. Um, and I actually think this is, uh, 
one of the one of the best things that came from the pandemic, in my opinion, is uh, is the fact that like it became uh, it's like you don't there, you couldn't have a family in the room with you or right. when Jess was going through that process, right? Like it was just it was you. It was allowed to be like the partner and like one other support person, right? So like partner in the doula or partner in mm-hmm. family or whatever, right? But you couldn't change it out, right? Like those those two were who you had, and um, I actually really liked that. Like uh, I thought that it was. Um, such a special moment for us to be able to share as a family, um, especially like for our first child and everything coming in the door, right? Um, mm-hmm. That uh, we were able to have that moment to ourselves without the without the external pressure of like, oh, let's make sure both moms feel like they get the, like, their equal dues, right? Or like, you know, Aunt Shirley wants to come in and, and be a part of this, like, uh, or let's get the grandparents in, right? Like, because um, it, it's like, uh, it was, it's just, um, we we're talking to my uh, brother-in-law, who's quite, who's a little bit older than we are. And like, he was like, yeah, man, we had like, it was like a freaking like circus show going on in there, you know? And like, I couldn't imagine what that would be like in such a vulnerable, intense moment, like uh, for, for the person uh, having the baby and everything. So. Um, yeah, it's true. A lot of people have, um, even though hospitals have opened up a little bit more, some families choose or some couples choose to continue to tell family members that, 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 you know, policy is still in place just it. to yeah. make sure that, you know, no family comes in. Cause you're right. Like it creates a lot of weird expectations about how long things are taking. And sometimes birth takes a long time and we don't yeah. need any kind of external pressure. Yeah. Um, and, and you're right. It is an intense and vulnerable um, experience. And basically we say like, if you're not comfortable having a bowel movement in front of that person, they shouldn't be in the labor room. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's that's great. like, it's, no, <laughs> that's amazing. That's a, that's a, and it surely should not be there. <laughs> that is the golden rule for sure. Yeah. Um, well, this has been great. Jessica, if somebody wanted to like learn more about your services, they absolutely should. Um, if they want to learn more about your services or learn more about who you are, like how they can, um, learn more about what you do or what a doula does even maybe like what would be some good resources for them? Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you're interested in potentially working with me, um, you can visit two doulas and you. I work with a um, an incredible doula partner. Her name is Emily Watkins. And our model is that when you hire us, you get both of us. And um, so one of us will attend your birth and you'll get prenatal time and postpartum time with both of us. Um, And then for those situations where birth is very long, we can tag each other out, meaning you get the well-rested you know, person who slept the most to support that, that most intense part of your birth. So um, you can also learn more about doulas on um, by visiting Kappa, C-A-P-P-A or Dona, D-O-N-A. Those are kind of the two larger training institutions in, um, in the U.S. and can kind of learn more about what doula support is, what it's not. Um, if you're interested in learning what the evidence is for doula support, evidence-based birth is a great website and they kind of walk through all the benefits of having a doula and the ways in which, um, you know, the evidence shows that they're beneficial to, to birthing people. Oh man, Jessica, thank you so much. This has been, this has been awesome. I've learned a lot. I know the people listening to this will will learn a lot and, uh, I hope hope somebody uh, takes you up on that and learns a little bit more about doulas and potentially services because it's going to be nothing but beneficial for your birth process. So thank you. It was such a pleasure. Yeah. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Athletes Potential and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free in life, head over to athletespotential.com to learn more.